2: of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.
0: The Around the NFL podcast. Fangirls over pretty kitchens. Welcome
3: to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Patrick Claibon, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Nicely done sitting in the West chair. Wes, uh, I believe, yes, he is back from his honeymoon, but... Oh, really? Is yeah, he? Yep, because Lakeisha is in the lineup for the Shield softball team tonight. Oh. Wes, though, on the seven-day IL with some type of chest cold. So he came back from Mexico ill. Not great to hear. But what we do know is that he took all this week off, and good for him. He'll enjoy it uh, and hopefully get well soon. And, Patrick, I just – right off the top, you know, I just <laughs> want to talk about how I – I don't know. We were talking about music, and then I asked, Claybon when you were young – Claybon's a few years younger than I. What, what are you, in your mid-30s, right? Yeah. Um, what did you listen to when you were, you know, a teenager?
1: Significantly younger than you. Mm,
3: well, you, yes. like a full I, deck. I already know where you're going with that,
1: but that's, but, uh, that's
3: still content. So, um, What did you listen to? What was the music that you liked? And your answer was?
2: Yeah, Bad Hair Day was my first CD, Weird Al.
3: Weird Al Yankovic. and Because Weird Al, a famous kind of parody music artist, the parody music artist of our times. <laughs> but I, I didn't know if um, Patrick was joking. You know, some people were a little... You know, a little closed in about what the mu- music they like because it's kind of revealing a lot about themselves. No, Clavon <laughs> is just being totally honest. His favorite musical artist is Weird Al Yankovic. You learn something new every day.
2: Yeah, I've it's tough for me to partake in a lot of people's music discussions because people are so incredibly passionate about it. And it's like, well, this means this to me. And it's like, oh, well, you, you know, this album is I, I, that's normcore, and I like pop. Verde or whatever. (laughs) There's so many genres and stuff, and I just I liked you know listening to a guy who made jokes. And even now in 2019, you go back, a a lot of stuff stands up, and it's not Mm. super problematic jokes. And you can go back and Weird Al's. So he's still
4: at the top of your list. Yeah,
2: I I I he would he would catch wasn't too serious about everything.
3: He would deem be deemed somewhat problematic. Um, as so, a fat shamer for some of yeah, his '80s work,
2: for sure. And it's like every chapter that opens. Eat it, of course. <laughs> not in the
4: '80s, that <laughs> No one was saying no, that. No,
1: not not. Eat fat. it. Well, Eat it was a smash. Yes. Hit. Eat yeah, it was I was about nine years it.
4: old for that, and that was. I think you were more like right six. My what year were you husband? Wasn't that '88? Like six or seven? Making up numbers. <laughs> wasn't that '88? No, not even close. Making up.
3: Um, but he did <laughs> Fat, which was a parody of Bad by Michael Jackson. That was around
4: '88. <laughs> That's what I was saying. But oh either. my bad! We, oh my bad! I'm confusing them all.
2: We have come a long way, and we've we've grown as a society. But I I still love I still love Weird Al
3: Yankovic. And then I told Claybot my first concert was Weird Al opening for the Monkees, and we had a legit moment. Our, our a eyes, moment. our eyes our eyes mm. connected. Our and eyes Dan and I are closer now. And now we're gonna get lunch together after the show. Yeah, you My first invited. concert
1: was Blues Traveler. But what was your first CD though? Because it was around what '89. That CD's hit I would imagine Dan you were in the CD buying
3: industry back then. <laughs> I wasn't for again you're much older than me, so you okay. a nine-year- old cannot buy a CD five years uh, not until I was like 13 or 14. I think it might have been 10 by
4: Pearl Jim
1: mine is I, I want to say this would sound embarrassing except that I still love this artist and so does Dan Phil Collins, but seriously
4: so why would it be embarrassing?
1: I'm just saying, I can think a lot of people, oh, Phil Collins, it's like, but I, I bought yeah, it and a, listened to like a thousand I think times Phil Collins, Collins is bangers.
4: Collins' um, appreciation, I think, I, has I just, come around. I, you people know what? like him now. To his, yeah. But to
1: his thing on music, like a lot of times when I mention someone that I like, I just prepare for
3: a wave yeah. of snobbery. Derision, yeah.
1: It basically, like, you, it's hard to hit the sweet spot. Oh, with like the, the Damosheks of, of the
3: world, the Matt Money Smiths, or like, Pavement, that's the only band that matters. Well, how about <laughs> whatever I like is what matters. That's where we would begin.
2: Is Pavement a real band?
3: They are. Oh, yeah, they are. I, I have no problem everywhere. with pavement, but the, the music – I want to go see it, you know, the,
4: a reunion in Barcelona next year. That would be a nice little tour, nice little trip.
3: All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going. You won't be able to pull it off, but if you no. will, send us some uh, video. All right. Big show coming up with Claybon. Um, we are going to talk about – all right. We do comeback players of the year predictions on the show, and perhaps if we
4: want, we could throw some in.
3: Uh, on today's that's, show.
4: I, I think that's a different show. That's a, uh, totally Or we could
3: save for another show. But what, what today's show is about, come down players of the year. Who who are the players that enjoyed, you know, saw their careers shoot to dizzying heights in 2018 and it's going to come down a bit. And it doesn't mean it's going to go through the floor and their careers are going to be over. And certainly we're not predicting injuries or anything terrible like that. But just guys that maybe, a, how about this, a regression to the mean? Mm. I mean, I'd say even this podcast has had
1: some years where we really peaked and then the next year coming down a little bit and you got something to work
4: on the next year
3: after that.
1: That'd be a good show. That's well
4: put, Mark. (laughs) You guys
3: ranking the
2: years of the Around the NFL
4: podcast. Well, I don't know if it's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, we're like like barely above the Dalton scale of podcasts right now. (laughs) Um,
3: All right, so that's what we're going to get into. Come down players of the year. Uh, But before that, let's do some news.
2: Yeah, I kind of said what I what I said. You know, if you want to go scotch, I feel pretty good about it. As far as those other guys, you know, uh, you know, for some of them, there, there's finally a, a talent where they can, you know, they can say they're better than me. <laughs> at
3: boom, that is Aaron Rodgers uh, speaking at Packers camp. Asked about how he he was shown up by his teammate uh, Bacchiari and other quarterbacks around the league and beer chugging, and I have to say, I know Mark, you're not on the same page I really enjoy Aaron Rodgers I probably wouldn't enjoy him as much as if he if he was my teammate from what we hear but I really do like his sense of humor and and the way he's dry and and kind of always winking but never really letting people in on the joke he follows that up people ask um you know there was a follow-up question about a ongoing competition with some of these guys that have been beer chugging this is what Rodgers response was
2: I think we need to be be smart about the example we're setting for kids. There are a lot of kids watching. If we're going to start uh, highlighting and uh, uh, glorifying uh, Ben's drinking, you know, we need to be very careful about that slippery slope.
3: And that to me is hilarious because it's all tongue in cheek. Yeah, he's basically uh, kicking all the pearl clutching calmness out there that took this beer chugging fun and said this is what the kids shouldn't be seeing. So I, I like Aaron Rodgers. And
4: else. and it slides in Plus the off. hey like. Just so that you remember, I might be the most talented quarterback to ever play this game. So yeah. calm, calm down, Like a buddies. bit of a subversive flex yeah. there.
2: And, and both of them served a couple of different purposes. Like, <laughs> hey, it's not that serious. And B, like, why is chugging beer that important to so many yeah. of you guys that it's like
3: this side of masculinity? Like, Are you like, commenting on t- toxic male masculinity as well? Maybe. I just don't know why. So like, many ch- – Marks, so many layers, Aaron Rodgers.
1: I – I he's like an, I um, like the tongue-in-cheek comment, but from another angle, nail the beer. You're on camera, nail
4: it. I he's get it done. Like, like I don't. Point. It's like I don't think that I don't chug, think it's. Are you water? like good at chugging water? Oh, even n- no, I'm not. But like, I'm not. A, not even... I'm
1: not an NFL quarterback on camera. Like there's another side that just says just get it done. Like he's a part, Like the rest
4: of him. He was a part owner
2: of the team, and he was partaking in a little thing on the jumbotron. Like right. I don't. I, he's. I don't get it.
3: He's a little bit of a different guy. We know that he mentioned, you know, if we're drinking scotch, I could probably hold my own. But I'm not personally, I'm not like a beer chugger. You might find that surprising. I might look like the guy that could chug a beer, but I've never been that guy myself. But some people, they just shoot it straight down. I, the first
1: time I went out with on a date with Simone, my wife, and she was has was only a few years removed from college at that point. And I like did it, got into one of these hideous like she was around all her like old sorority and frat friends. I'm like, what am I doing in this room? First sure. of all, awful scenario. And I, it was a beer chugging thing, and she's I was a little awful younger, at like, it. Like Dan, and she absolutely <laughs> coursed through like three <laughs> beers, no problem. I was like, she
4: has a special skill mm. that I've never known now about. You have
3: two children with well, that woman. Well, she's
4: not doing That's that wonderful. today, but I mean, we yeah, I, I remember we once had the ch- this is ridiculous, but I chugged like a bottle of Mad Dog 2020 <laughs> in college. <laughs> Or there could be, them, which is a great way to like end up on the pavement uh, outside uh, during Mardi
3: Gras. Hey, the only band that matters.
4: No, the um, there so could be an oral
3: stupid. history on stupid. your um, your pledging days, because it's it's that wasn't even. Yeah, it's somewhat surprising you survived it the way they, they abused all the people in your class. Oh,
4: I was yeah. one of I was in good shape compared some other people crumbled mentally. I was you know, I could take a beating.
3: Let's get into it. Let's get into the news. Gerald McCoy. This came shortly after we signed off on Monday. Um, he, after visits with the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Gerald McCoy uh, met with the Carolina Panthers, and that's where he signs. The defensive tackle uh, signs a one-year deal with Carolina. Rap Sheet reported this. Uh, he'll earn roughly $8 million. Can make up to $10.25 million based on playing time and sack incentives. Uh, six-time Pro Bowler. Uh, made his bones uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and now he's on a Panthers team that he sees as a contender. Uh, he said that leading into the the signing process. He wanted to sign with a contender. He sees Carolina as a contender. What do you think about this fit, Greg?
4: I think it's a great fit, and it's a potentially a really intriguing uh, defensive line uh, with the rookie Brian Burns now added to the mix. k1 Short, Dunterry Poe. Like, that's kind of the... the Mario Addison is still there, the the Panthers teams of old that we thought. But the the other thing that I thought with this was it was kind of an old school free agency tour where he actually chose the team that he felt, you know, fit the best. This is what they used to do in the 90s or early 2000s a little bit more. He tried out the Ravens and the Browns. And according to Rapture, he actually took less money to go with the Panthers uh, because he kind of just liked the fit and the vibe and the defensive uh, and the city, he said, in the defensive kind of mindset that they have there.
1: I thought he had three good choices because we're at, had he gone to Cleveland, we would be saying that defensive line is now completely peaked. We've never seen anything like that from Cleveland before.
4: If anything, Same they didn't even need him. It was like I, I would
1: argue that they with, with Larry Okunjobi there that they really probably were not the team that needed him the most. But for me, this is something that shows, again, to Greg's point, that the tour matters because he said that this was the place – where – and I don't know what happened in Cleveland and Baltimore – that Panthers teammates came and took him out to dinner, and then he got a firsthand look of what that defensive chemistry was like and that it helped tip the scales. And it wasn't just a money thing. It reminds me on a much lesser scale of when Reggie White kind of cracked open free agency for the first time and went from city to city to city
3: before picking the Packers for the right reasons. Clear this up for me. What has this
4: traditional tour been replaced by? just signing a player without ever going to the facility. Well, or
1: free agency this point, doesn't even start, and we already know players go right. into play it, It's been no replaced drama. by the
4: agents just making a deal and talking to the player, and they just pick the best This makes show. a lot more sense to me.
2: And just in terms of having a choice and being a part of the process, Gerald McCoy went into this at a point where he, he still had those 21 quarterback hits last year, which is the same amount he had in his all-pro season, and that was on a miserable defense there was still interest in him as a productive football player where a lot of times the way that the CBA and everything is structured now and teams aren't willing to take chances on veterans, it's like, hey, man, this this is the team that you got, and they're the only ones that want to sign you. So,
4: Right, but uh. even, even the highly touted guys, like Zedaria Smith wasn't going around and checking out tours. He just got the best offer from the Packers, and that thing was done before free agency even started. And that's kind of... How it goes, but McCoy, you know, he's later in his life. He seems like a really smart, interesting guy too. And I think he was thinking quality of life. And I think it really sounded like Ron Rivera, and staying in the South uh, in general, like, was a comfort for him.
2: And I wonder if the age, um, the respective ages of his teammates on the defensive line, had anything to do with his with his choice. He's going with a group of veterans who've been in the league in in certain different situations versus you know, in those AFC North teams where the
4: guys were a little bit younger. Gets to take on his old team a couple times a year, including in London this year. Yeah,
3: he'll have to wait a year uh, to make a return to Tampa. As Greg said, they'll play their game against uh, the Bucks this year in London. Uh, moving on, Matt LaFleur. Tough setback for the first-year Packers coach who was playing that old game, uh, Knockout. Great game. Great uh, you know, playground basketball game. It's where you shoot the foul shot, and if you get it, you, get, you grab the ball and get back to the line, and you got to make it before the other guy shoots his foul shot. If he misses it, he has to grab the rebound, put it in. There is a lot of stopping and starting and sprinting, and what happened is 39-year-old hmm. man, uh, Matt LaFleur, playing that game, his Achilles pops. That sucks. He undergoes surgery on Sunday, uh, and under, unfortunately, uh, that means he'll be severely limited in his mobility. He showed up at Packers um, minicamp this week in a souped-up golf cart. And that's how he'll coach the rest of OTAs uh, and mandatory mini camps. And I imagine um, into training camp, although maybe he'll be on crutches or something by July. Either way, it's kind. Of, it was kind of a funny subplot or it was kind of described that way. Oh, how silly, knockout. But that sucks. This is a guy that's trying to get established on the sideline, be a hands-on coach, show what he can do. And this is not going to help him. It reminds me the one other
1: – instance of this that I can recall was when Don Shula in the final weeks of the uh, 1994 season back when Greg and Dan were like eight and I was 47 according to them, <laughs> Um he, he had tore he ruptured his Achilles too and the, the
3: age is still on your radar after well, all Well, it's shows. brought
1: up every five seconds on the show <laughs> when I look just as long, young as both of you Whoa! So there you go. Out, there right? it is. Out. But how about this? Even. Don Shula did not look so young, and he was this sort of aging coach roaming up and down the Dolphins sideline during these critical late-season matchups and into the playoffs on this slow-moving cart in the NFL behind the scenes. I went back and looked, at there were some reports that said the NFL was a little annoyed that Shula wouldn't just go up into the booth, but he wanted to be down with his players. The same issue Lafleur faces. But I found this quote where this one. Uh, NFL official privately remarked to Larry Guest of the Orlando Sentinel that you can imagine the uproar of, say, Steve Young had injured himself crashing into Don Chula's damn cart. And then later on, the fact that there was a playoff game in San Diego with some wet surface where they went on to lose to the Chargers because the Chargers went on to the Super Bowl that year that the, they wanted no one on the field to practice before the game, but Shula insisted on going out on the field and going up and down the sideline before the game on his cart and causing all these issues in the field. And they're just like, can we please put this man up in the booth at long last? And he refused to. I th- And I, th-
4: <laughs> I think Lafleur got some grief... Um- he had one cart that didn't look too good and then he kind of brought out a more souped up one
2: how souped up are we talking here <laughs> the
4: next day i don't know that's what roger's 90 miles an hour <laughs> roger said and he also said he had a tumble he had a scooter and had a little tumble on the scooter before they went to the golf cart, oh. Rogers read out a, a pre-written script to, to say, "I want to say Matt Lafleur is a highly athletic former athlete who had an unfortunate <laughs> accident in the gym, but because of an exceptional diet and work ethic, he'll be back sooner than later." <laughs> Let's move as, as a fan, by the way, of Knockout, what a great uh, game for like a five foot five guy. The sneaky in killer terms of basketball. I, I love that.
2: Knockout is the person that's in front of you that can't pass. And so they'll throw you this miserable pass, mm, and you'll have to teach. reach to get it, and then it just sets off a whole chain of events. Yeah. I- I'm sure there's probably somebody to blame for Matt LeFleur. This
4: reminds me of when Daniel Jeremiah tore his Achilles playing basketball in his late 30s a few years ago. And it's a I, dangerous you know, time. It's a big... To, we have to have our head on the a swivel, eye-opening, Greg. Eye opening moment. Um, as a little guy, you're saying because you didn't have
3: to box anybody out. There was nobody under the glass necessarily to fight for the well, ball. It was all about
4: wind and just shooting. There's yeah. no, Your height didn't get in your way at all. Th- those things you could do as a short basketball You did ball. well in
3: our pig contest during Wes's bachelor weekend, <laughs> I, I thought. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, moving on, the Cleveland Browns. A little bit of drama in Browns' camp, uh, centering on running back Duke Johnson. Who reminded everyone on the first day of minicamp that he wants out? Um, he skipped voluntary workouts last month after the Browns signed Cream Hunt. He was in Cleveland on Tuesday, uh, but doesn't mean he's in. Only different here's a quote: "Only difference is this is mandatory. Nothing has changed." Johnson um, has said that he uh, John Dorsey, the Browns' GM, had shopped him for a month before he made his trade request. There's nothing the d- team can do at this point to change his mind. He wants out um that led to baker mayfield who had this to say to the
0: assembled media you know it's self-inflicted it is what it is it's not awkward for anybody else in this building he's got to do his job he said he's a professional i hope he does his job
3: and uh, freddie kitchens had this to say he wants to be traded you know i want to win the lottery all right so it doesn't matter. He's a Cleveland Brown. He's under contract. He's going to be used uh, to the best of his ability and what benefits the team. People are annoyed with Duke Johnson. Uh,
2: I'm kind of annoyed that they're annoyed with Duke Johnson. Like it's, it, At this point, um, because both of these guys said it is what it is, which effectively doesn't mean anything. Nobody's saying anything when they say that. Um, I, I think Duke Johnson was reacting to the fact that he was on the trade block, said, all right, yeah, if you if you guys want to trade me then let's have some discussions. They didn't ultimately trade him. And so the, he's asked the question, "Hey, do you want to be traded?" Yeah, I'd, I'd still be traded. And somehow this is creating a thing when what's the actual problem? I I, I don't know that there is an actual problem. Right, I, Baker we'll Mayfield, I have a
4: feeling on. won't I wonder as he gets older, he'll maybe not think it's even worth getting into someone else's pocket like that. I was just about to say the
3: same thing. I wonder if 10 years from now, Baker Mayfield is doing things like talking to the media about this or fighting with Colin Coward on social media, things that he probably doesn't need to be involved with,
4: but at this stage he feels that he has. Well, to. Duke got, in, got bad. He got some bad timing. He signed a three-year contract less than a year ago. And so the and pe- it was not a good contract. If you go look at it, I would say it's not a great contract. Yeah, it was a great, but- it was team friendly uh, for sure. Uh, And it wasn't a great contract. And then the coach, you know, that was there when he signed that contract's no longer there. They put him on the trade block. They signed Kareem Hunt. But they're going to use... I mean, Duke Johnson's a pretty valuable player for them.
1: Well, you don't have Kareem Hunt until deep into the season. And if anything happens to Nick Chubb, you suddenly have no one at running back, essentially. So they do need him. I don't... Like, Duke Johnson has vocally talked about himself as a featured back since he hit the league because of his very successful career at Miami. And he has, if you look at him from a certain collection of statistics, he has been a pretty solid NFL player, better than solid in certain statistics. Yet, he his volume as a running back has never really carried out. He did not beat out Isaiah Crowell for a featured role. So I think they're in a bit of a place. I think they couldn't trade him. They didn't find anyone that wanted him for what they wanted to give him away for. But I don't really have a big problem with I know I I was on Twitter yesterday. Everyone's all upset at Baker Mayfield for saying something. I don't know. Like I guess from the from the perspective of a Browns fan that watched 34 previous like ultra breezy quarterbacks, not really call out anyone on the team for any reason. I I don't have a. This is Baker Mayfield, and the experience includes
3: this, and it includes the good stuff too. You can't just slice nah, off. I'm not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say – I'm definitely not killing him. I think it does when the star quarterback inserts himself into it, it makes it a bigger story. Do you want to make something like this a bigger story? No, I don't. But I think it's – I don't know they, they, how the
1: whole the media thing works out. When they put Duke Johnson out there on June 4th, this story was inevitable. You're going to get this. Is that what they wanted? Like it was, it was not the first person I would have put out there to talk to begin with.
2: And the thing that I come back to: is, does any of it actually matter? D- does this affect the Browns' wins and losses, or is this would we be just be talking about something else? No, he'll be it- out
4: there when it's mandatory in camp, and he'll be you know a, a nice role player on a good-looking off. Let's move on. Uh, the end of the
3: road. Happy trails to Navarro Bowman, who stopped by Niners, uh, the Niners facility. Um, this week and told the team that uh, he wanted to retire as a member of the 49ers, uh, the team he played his first seven plus years. Bowman is a really sad story of this decade of the NFL to me. Um, he came into the league um, as a third round pick and instantly was perhaps um one of the best defensive players in the league. Not perhaps, he was one of the best defensive players in the league, arguably the best linebacker in the league. He was named first-team All-Pro four times, three Pro Bowl appearances, Uh, really was the heartbeat of that great Niners defense that went to three straight NFC title games starting with the 2011 season. The last game they appeared in is when he suffered that uh, horrendous knee injury. It was really a gruesome uh, play near the goal line, and he missed the entire next season. Uh, came back, he got another All-Pro, maybe a little bit more on reputation, then bounced to Oakland out of the league last year. So it was a knee injury that from a Hall of Fame trajectory to his career essentially being over a few years later. So a sad story in that sense, uh, but uh, still he was a success story as a third-round pick, uh, and the Niners will no doubt uh, put him in their ring of honor or some such honor.
4: In San Francisco. Had one of the best stadium closing plays of all time. That would be a good list. I mean, we're hurting for content on NFL.com <laughs> on June and July. The best stadium closing plays. Mm. And certainly, Vinatieri's kick uh, kind of stands out, but Bowman had the pick six against the Falcons. It was in the red zone to put them in the playoffs on the final. Final game ever played at Candlestick. It doesn't get much better than that. Like a, a pick six to win the game with about a minute Gorgeous. left. You know the uh, nickname for
1: it, right? The pick at the stick. The yeah. miracle at the stick. No, it's not the miracle. <laughs> it was a little less, little less than a miracle, but the pick of the stick. Is that what it is? The pick at the stick. Yeah, I like pick that. at the stick.
2: I'll always uh, think about him and Patrick Willis uh, together. It was a pretty special linebacker group um, that one guy retired early and the other guy had, had an injury. And it's just how fleeting uh, success can be and how we need to kind of appreciate these guys when, when they're in special.
4: Right, like the red zone, the other red zone play that stands out is the. You know, I think people forget that Falcons 49ers eight, uh, NFC Championship game where Great the Fal- game. the Falcons get into the red zone. They look like they're gonna go win the game, uh, and they do not end up scoring. It was Patrick Willis, I think, with the pass deflection at the, at the very end. But the two of them were just—it when- was tough to get around those two. It was tough to get to the outside on those. Is two. that when
3: Roddy White and Richard Sherman were jawing? There was a long touchdown. I'm trying to think if that was the
4: the game you're talking about. No, sure, man. I mean, 40, yeah. it was 49ers. Oh, Fal- it, it Falcons. Was, was the I, I just remember the, the, the noise playoffs. in that
1: game was insane, and it was Kaepernick having to deal with an incredible noise. Yeah, and in
4: the end, it looked like the Falcons might make make a comeback and pull a really big uh, comeback to go to the Super Bowl, but but Willis and Bowman helped block it down.
3: All right, let's move on. Uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, he was at uh, Jim Kelly's... Uh, charity golf tournament outside Buffalo, New York, and he touched on again uh, something that's come up um, repeatedly in recent years. He reiterated his stance. He wants to reduce the preseason schedule um, at a time. Now the League and Players Association have begun preliminary talks uh, toward a new CBA. Here's what Goodell said. I feel like what we should be doing is always to the highest quality, and I'm not sure preseason games meet that level right now. I'm not sure, talking with coaches, that four preseason games is necessary anymore to get ready for a season to evaluate players, develop players. There are other ways of doing that, and we've had a lot of discussions about that. Um, The NFL, they back the idea of reducing the preseason, but there is also the other end of it. Where do those two games go? Well, the idea of expanding to an 18-game regular season, something the players, Claybon are against, uh, citing both health concerns, uh, it's already a grind enough, 16 games, and also the idea well, if you want to have us do more work, you got to pay us more for that work, so this to me could be the thorniest, uh, or among the thorniest issues as the CBA approaches.
2: And and that's what jumps out to me, is as the CBA approaches and it seems like around this time um, discussion about adding games to the schedule seems to come up, and it's almost like a pre-negotiation tactic like, oh, this is the thing we care a lot about. We care a lot about this. Mm. And then once the conversation starts, it's, oh, well, we're going to have to give up on this thing that we really, really care about, guys. But, hey, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep the same money split. And then things go back to normal. So I, I just – it's tough for me to to kind of latch on to the idea when, when it feels like an early negotiation
4: tactic. Mm. Well, the, you know, the marijuana policy is certainly something I think the league could – you know, you and I feel the same way about that. Right. That's what I mean. They could use the, <laughs> that as a negotiating, but it, it's a little different. Like Jay Glazer had it in his mailbag bag. I know you don't like that to be brought up on the show. No, that's fine. Band. But it's just a mailbag. Yeah, bag. it's a mailbag. <laughs> a mailbag. the mailbag. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, in the athletic that He he does think that it'll be a two game preseason in the next CBA. And whether it's La Confora or Mark Maskey of the Washington Post, you know, does think that they're going to push that the 18-game season. And one idea that was floated out there was everyone but quarterbacks would play 16 games, but the quarterbacks would play 18? What? So you're treating
1: real football like fantasy football at that point.
4: Well, that, that basically that the players only play 16, you know, that their, their body. Yeah, you know, who knows? I, it's a, it's interesting to me that the, the idea Wait, so has a player by weeks. Yes. Assen- additional player by week. I, I think mean, what the, are we doing here? I, I think the much more likely enough. possibility, which seems to me like a relative no brainer, is just give every team an extra bye week because that's an extra week of TV for everyone. And everyone gets two buys, and who is going to complain about that? I, I, and, I, and I think with, that's pretty with, logical. With a 16 game schedule? A 16 game schedule oh. and two bye weeks for every team. Well, there and was th- a year they that had two bye weeks. Right, buy a couple weeks. of years, and people didn't like it for, I don't remember the reasons why that was back in the 90s. But that's a way where, without, you know, if anything, you're, that's adding to player safety, yeah. it's adding, you know, money, which is what everyone's concerned about, and seems like a winner. I, so, wait, I, we I don't have- really like the idea necessarily. It's just like another. Uh, wait, what, what's another the downside? Week. Well, just another week of work for us. It's very, selfish. <laughs> very <laughs> selfish. Well, it's more than that if it's eighteen games.
1: Well just one well, no it's, sixteen games but eighteen weeks. It I have one extra I would week. just say that the one the one snag though is that there are there are players that need the preseason. and that's always been the issue. The product is we get it. It is white hot garbage compared to the one thing about the preseason. it starts, you're excited for it. Then by the end of week one of the preseason, you're right. realizing this needs to end right now. Right. So I get the product not. Uh, making sense with the rest of what the NFL offers. But we also forget in the middle of June that when you get into some of these games, even late November, early December, there are some trash bag scenarios happening on teams where we don't need two extra weeks of like the most hideous (laughs) third or fourth string quarterback squaring off on prime time against another hideous third string quarterback.
3: Flip side, teams that are, say, seven and eight, then be dead. Otherwise, two extra games. They're still in the mix.
1: Is this really what? Do fans really need two more regular season games, yeah. though? I do no. not personally.
2: No. Yeah. What's the problem that we're trying to solve? That like the preseason is not as entertaining as it should. I, I just sixteen games is perfect. Well,
4: I, here, here's exactly the, here's the problem: is that they charge full price for those tickets. It, otherwise, there isn't any, isn't any problem. But it's a, it's the time of year to bring up some wild things. They were talking about maybe making the field bigger. That's interesting to me. Glazer <laughs> threw out that what's one. What's going on? Glazer threw out that one. Maybe make Vince the, McMahon do that the stuff. The a little bigger. That would be good for player safety. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting They could play thought.
2: with a Nerf ball. That's like <laughs> an have, interesting thought. Because everyone's
4: yards. faster and bigger. It's not that crazy. Okay. Finally, on the
3: throne of sleaze, uh, the Patriots are looking uh, to move on from the Gronk era, and Austin Severian Jenkins was tapped to be a, a part of that movement forward. Not anymore. Uh, He signed a one-year $895,000 contract on April 10th, uh, but he wasn't at the team's mandatory minicamp Tuesday, uh, and it turns out he's been released. The Pats cut Safarian Jenkins, um, who has some uh, personal issues going on, and um, perhaps they revisit their relationship uh, once that situation is taken care of, if it gets taken care of. Uh, But for now, um, S-A-S... No, wait, I got this. ASJ. Nailed it. Um, exits the picture. He's still got Benjamin Watson, who they brought out of retirement. But he's suspended for the first four games. So you got guys like Matt LaCosse, Ryan Izzo, Stephen Anderson, Andrew Beck.
4: Hmm. What is going on at the tight end position for the defending champs, Greg? Well, I think Safarian Jenkins was a long shot to make the team regardless. For whatever reason, no one's... Uh, you know, wants to get on board with the Matt LaCosse era. But he was the guy that they gave half a million dollars to guaranteed uh, to sign with them. And he very likely will be starting week one, whether Ben Watson was eligible or not. He's more of a Dwayne Allen type, uh, you know, get excited. <laughs> this is my weekly reminder that
1: Seth DeValve will be on the Patriots come week one. Windows open now, <laughs> wide open. I mean, every, every time, consider when I told you this five weeks ago, it was like, oh, that just seems like a little, that's a little bit ridiculous because we talked about Seth Classic DeValve. Classic Mark. And it was like two weeks ago, It's was like, I mean, it kind of fits if he gets cut, but no, probably definitely not going to happen. Now it's like, mm. it's happening. This just feels lock like, it in. When's it going like, to
4: happen, though? Right. This feels like a premature it's celebration. Gotta happen considering when Matt
1: Lacoste it, you know, essentially decides he's leaving the NFL to pick up a, a role as a uh, ShopRite baggage handler. A script girl. Just wants to stay home a more comfortable shop <laughs> ShopRite.
2: Life. Where is ShopRite?
4: Are they
3: around
1: East
4: still? Coast. Uh, we had a ShopRite in our town. Greg. That was our stuff. It's, it's a
1: classic grocery store scenario. <laughs>
4: Oh, yeah, they're, they're around. Shop Connecticut, was, Delaware, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. So it's topical. ShopRite
3: was Perfect. the yeah. supermarket of uh, the town of friendly people, Pearl over That's where everybody – you saw everybody at ShopRite. True story. Is it a problem? We, right? did not have, we didn't have ShopRites. I don't buy it. <laughs> That's the slogan. It's right there on Route 304 on a big sign. Um, all right. This Father's Day, give Dad a gift packed with the Omaha steaks he craves – Go to OmahaSteaks.com and enter code AROUND in the search bar for 74% off the Father's Day Steak Fix gift package. Uh, Greg, you got some steaks in your freezer. You're supposed to grill them up a couple days ago. Your father-in-law was a big window wide open. Speaking of wide open windows, your father-in-law finally, he would say, I respect you. Thank you for the steaks. I put it on the grill, and you have a great. Getting him dinner. those
4: tickets in Arizona to the Super Bowl, Patriots. Uh, that was big. That was actually the moment where I think he finally respected. But this would have been like <laughs> if he had any other doubts. Because he, when I first met, him, the literally Omaha the States. first time I ever met him, he said, "Someday I want you to get me tickets to the Super Bowl." And at the time, I was, <laughs> you know, working at rotoworld.com, um, you know, making less than you know the average. I don't know. ShopRite employee and it seemed like a long shot and then look it happened yeah but what if you've lost his respect since then now the steaks bring you back up a notch okay I will yeah he's cooking them today we we had a delay but it's happening today yeah so Greg's gonna
3: have some some meat I have some it's gonna be great Omaha steaks they do it the filet mignon the sirloin the pork chops steak burgers gourmet jumbo franks the chicken fried steaks the all beef meatballs the chicken breast the caramel apple tartlet uh, you got that Omaha Steak signature seasoning, and you get four extra Omaha Steak Burgers free. That's all in the same package, so check it out. Mm. Just go to omahasteaks.com and type code around in the search bar. That's omahasteaks.com and type around in the search bar to get the Father's Day Steak Fix Package today. Um, Speaking of ShopRite and the one that was in the center of Pearl River, that was my first job. I got a job as a cashier at ShopRite, and it was the first time math really banged me in a big spot. Um, of course, I got the 39 on the state-mandated test in high school. Um, went there, and back then, there was a lot of cash. It was Now everybody uses their cards. Back then, there was a lot of cash and, and moms writing checks. Oh, yeah. And, and that was really how the game worked. And the big part of the end of the day, you had to balance the till. The till had to be balanced. So there had to be the right money given out. Sometimes mom would write checks. It was a $38 grocery bill. They'd type in 58 because mom wants that extra 20 in cash. Who knows what she's doing with it, but I'm giving it to her. But all that stuff made the till pretty hard to balance, and I failed to um, balance the till on three separate occasions. got me written up. And led to me eventually moving down the streets. It doesn't seem
1: like they put you wow. with your skill set into the best uh, into the best role there, knowing that you are they put a you in the freezer. mathematician. <laughs> put you what, in the
3: freezer.
2: What was
1: the total loss here?
3: I, in the <laughs> write-ups, it would say how much it was. Usually, like they probably thought I was stealing money because I'm sure there are a lot of dirtbags that would steal money. I was just handing out money that wasn't. Well, how you know, about this? Uh, here's people. a chance to own probably like where, twenty bucks, thirty bucks. Did
1: you ever steal any money? You can never. own up now and not be interested.
4: Never. Sure? I would
3: never steal cash.
4: From a business. I mean, the word got out, though, about Dan... As yeah, a, as an easy mark among kind of like the all the moms, you know, all the moms like the matchstick. Ma- have you ever seen yeah. matchstick men? Just kind of like the ones with the, who like to play some games. are just like, oh yeah, hit up aisle three. Yeah. Like you know, write the check, start saying a bunch of numbers. He'll get yeah. confused. Would you it'll, ever it'll get, get flustered. like nervous and start to sweat a little?
1: Bit? I thought some of those like public facing roles. I worked in the grand Union, and you have to deal with a customer.
4: You know the answer. Just like I applied a I stop to stop and away. Shop multiple times, never got hired. Stop and shop. Well, yeah. Stop and it. shop. Please. Well, you
3: have to nail the interview. Maybe you were a little.
4: I never even. I never even got it. I don't think, really. Never got hired. Hmm.
3: All right, let's get to it. Everybody knows comeback player. It's competitive. Claybon's looking at me. Yeah,
2: I. I just. Why would somebody not hire a young Greg Rosenthal? I, I, I just. I don't know.
4: Did well, you, re- you were in a emo band at that point, or whatever. I don't this know. Band was I called. don't know how like a teenage Greg Rosenthal would interview. I never interviewed with them. They never called me back. Those were competitive jobs because because you were competing with high school kids, but you know the regular workforce too. And they paid they paid better. Like I ended up working at a golf course or whatever that paid you minimum wage at Stop and Shop. They'd pay you, you know, ten eleven. I
3: bucks. wonder. I wonder if oh, it's an hour.
4: 10, 11 bucks an hour.
3: Minimum wage was like a minimum. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Stop and Shop was was above. Bu-
4: okay, maybe it wasn't that, but they were well above minimum wage starting out. And so those were competitive. I had like five classmates working with me at Grand Union. I mean, it must have been mm. a different job you know if you had sent an application in
2: with 1g springfield, I you
4: springfield was farm. maybe a little bit more of a depressed economy at the time so it was a little more it was a little more competitive
1: i mean greg is rewriting history from multiple directions <laughs> here to explain this
4: but <laughs> bad boys enough. getting 12 I mean, an you, hour you in go you can go through a springfield mass tell me what you think
3: um all right let's get into it come down players of the year like i said players that maybe will have a regression to the mead, come down a little bit. Um, I'll get it going. How about that? I'll start things off. And the reason I'll start it off because banger. Why not start at the very top of the game? And I will say Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick, uh, Claybon nods his head. Because, yes, is it maybe an obvious pick? Yeah, maybe. But let's just talk about it because I do not think by any stretch, that Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs is going to crater this season. Absolutely not. But what I think would happen last year, and certainly it could be wrong, we could be dealing with a talent that is so transcendent that he's going to rewrite the record books. But more than likely, um, having followed the game for many years, it's probably more likely that it's a Dan Marino 84-type situation where this is a all-time... Um, Talent that could go on if he stays healthy and on the right track to have a Hall of Fame career in Mahomes, but like Marino who in the 84 season and the numbers are bonkers now because you it's hard to remove it um, for, you know the time context is so important when Marino threw for five thousand yards and forty eight touchdowns uh, with a pass rating of 109 and throwing for 320 yards a game that stuff uh was unheard of nine yards per attempt. Uh, And that's kind of, if you look at what Mahomes did last year, almost the 1984 equivalent in 2018, what he did, which was 5,000 yards, about 5,100 yards, 50 touchdowns through the air, 9.6 yards per attempt, um, a QBR of 82, pass rating of 114. So what Marino did as a follow-up – it was great. He led the league in touchdowns, but he only threw thirty the next year. He was first 40, team 100. all pro. He's the best he quarterback was, in the league. He was still. still a great quarterback, but he didn't have that type of historic season. So that's what I'm thinking with Mahomes. That yes, he would be. He'll still be in the uh, conversation for first team all pro. He's still going to wow. be maybe, maybe the best quarterback in the league. But and the reasons why? Oh, because Tyreek Hill's not there. That's why. And maybe that's not going to help if Hill's not playing. But I really think it's more that Mahomes did something truly historic last year, that it's going to be very
4: hard for him to ever top. Could mm-hmm. be wrong. I'd like to be wrong. It'd well, be if, fun he's, to see him if he's in that. the mix for first-team All-Pro, then I feel like, yeah, that's not even... I mean, Maybe it's a come down from where he was, but... That's you know, what I'm saying. That would be totally... He's still under- going to be a great and quarterback. He, this is a little bit of a side note, but are we sure Tyreek Hill's not going to be there? I know we're not supposed to... Well, it's a fourth. It's a factor to mention today. They kept the They've kept the window I, open. I just, Chiefs, as this is going on, and he'll... Face a, sus- a league suspension, you would you would assume. But as this is going on, I think it's interesting how quiet the Chiefs have been. That's all. But we can move on. They also you know, they also
1: you know they had Kareem Hunt for part of last year as well. You have but you have potentially lost at least one or two of these guys.
2: And even if even if um, they're able to maintain the success that Damian Williams had late in the season to replace Kareem Hunt, and even if Tyreek Hill is there, it was such a lightning in a bottle type moment for last year. It was, right. It's one of those special... I think he breaks
4: the rules, though. We talked about him a lot in the offseason last year, and there was understandable chatter. Uh, You know, are we hyping this guy up a little too much? You know, and we weren't doing it nearly enough. I do think he just kind of breaks all rules. So, yeah, maybe some of the numbers will go down a little bit, but I still expect to believe that he's... The best quarterback in the league. And he
2: could be an even better football player, but still not have the success right, that he had right.
3: last year. That was a truly special season. And again, the parallel with Marino and Mahomes, both their second seasons, both at age 23. So, like, that's why I think Mahomes, what we're looking at is the beginning of a Hall of Fame career, but will you ever reach the heights of last year, which were insane? Greg, you're next.
4: Mm. Well, now I feel like I got to take a big swing. <laughs> Who do I got? I got a bunch of different names. I think Drew Brees is going to start coming back to the pack a little. And that's, I guess, that's where I'll start. Just because he was right there in the MVP talk with Mahomes, I I don't think it was as crazy one-sided even a race as now that we we think about it. That his his season was just so extraordinary, and everything there has been great for so long. There's no real reason to think it's gonna fall off a cliff. But can their offensive line stay as good and stay healthy? Can Can everything around Breeze, uh, you know, be as just? Totally electric. Are the defenses in the NFC South going to get a little bit better? I just feel like he's he's overdue to come down, and it does make a difference to me. He's forty; it, it has to happen eventually—a little gradual decline. Well, and you're doing—you're
3: uh, making the mistake I made several years ago with Tom Brady, where you're not basing it on anything else other than it's just got to happen. It's time for it to
4: happen. Well, I'm basing it also on Breeze's career over the last five years, which has had some ups and downs, which I think you know you you forget about. There was. There was four, about three or four years ago, I thought he was starting to make a decline. I forget if it was 2015 or 16, where he probably wasn't at his best. And he certainly wasn't at his best at the end of last season. I don't think he was playing his very best football then. So is he still a top 10 quarterback? Yeah, I would expect that. But I wouldn't expect him to be one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league. That's expecting too much of someone his age. And they could still be
3: a great team if he takes a step back. They they have right. enough talent on both sides. He doesn't have to be as supremely great as he was, and that's why... He
4: can be Tom Brady 2018. Right. That
3: team won the Super that's Bowl. That's why what happened last year is so painful for Saints fans, for obvious reasons, getting robbed by the officials the way they were, but also... Such a perfect storm and a special season for them, where they had they had every, everything cooking it, and Breeze having yet another elite all-time season, and then it gets kind of. It is away amazing.
4: From. It was 2014, by the way, that he threw 17 interceptions, and I don't think played quite as well. That was like six, five seasons ago. It's, ama- it's amazing the career that he's had. All right, Claybon, you're up.
2: Okay, so last year, Aaron Donald had 41 quarterback hits. Uh, he was, in my opinion the runaway best player in football, as he has been uh, for the past few seasons. the I still feel like Aaron Donald is the best player in football, but to have that kind of success even better than his previous years, there has to be some sort of drop-off. and I was almost going to make the same Mahomes pick. Uh, that you did, and I figured, you know, got to swing fen- big for the fences. You know, I'm a replacement player just getting in here. For the <laughs> again. Uh, you, you have know, a good war, though. If are going to strike out, I might as well yeah. yeah, swing hard and heavy. It's like Adam Dunn style. You're a three-outcome uh, <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and, and so it's just he's been so dominant, 20 and a half sacks. Um, it, it just has to fall.
3: He had the – It just has The to. sacks the, have to fall. He yeah. had the defensive lineman equivalent of the baseball triple crown last year. He led the league with sacks. Tackles for loss, twenty-five, forty-one quarterback hits. Um, but the the one thing I'll say because I see him is different than Mahomes in that I just think that's who this dude is. Like I can see him d- putting up an, two or three more years like this before he starts.
4: Wait, it's the second second. It's the highest QB hits he ever had, but the second most he ever had was twenty fifteen. He's done it four seasons now, and now he's getting to the point where like, of course, he's a Hall of Fame player. But he's putting together now a five-year run, which is starting to rival you know, the greats of the great defensive linemen of all time. I do think this, the sack number, historically,
1: I would guarantee that could almost be halved because he never had more than 11 previously. And if you look at the other dudes that topped out, Strahan went from 22.5 to 11 the next year. Jared Allen went from 22 to 12 the next year. Mark Yasino, way back when, went from 22 to 13.5. Justin Houston, 22 to 7.5. Chris Dolman, 21 to 11. And Lawrence Taylor from 20.5 to 12. So I think that, that from that one category, but I mean, we're not really those saying... Are all edge, these, those are all edge players. We're not saying like, oh, these guys' physical traits are going to yeah. fall apart, but there's some outlier seasons where you're going to come back to the mean a little.
2: And when you've had this kind of sustained success, to a, to a certain extent, he's dictating the draft processes in in the West. Like teams are structuring themselves in terms of how do we deal with Aaron Donald. Mm. And there, there just has to be a, a drop-off at some point, and like Greg said put him in Canton. Just just go ahead and get ready to do it.
3: I wonder do, do you think JJ Watt's greatness has been overshadowed a little bit by Donald in recent years because if you look at what Watt did 3, 4, 5 years ago, you could argue it's even more impressive than what Donald's doing now. But now it seems like Donald is just recognized Not in this room. I think the, as the, the greatest the, defender of his generation. I think to
1: use one of your phrases, he's been adequately praised at least in this room. JJ J. Watt in this room, yes. But
4: I, 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 I don't think he's but, been overshadowed. Uh, to, to me, I would even take Watt's very peak over Donald. But what, what, what Donald's now put together four years at that insane level, uh, which Watt couldn't do in a row because of injuries. Yeah. Uh, you're
1: up, Mark Sessler. All right. Uh, I, I looked for a player who last year kind of shot out of the skies to do something we hadn't seen him do before and why I don't think it's going to happen again. And it's Eric Ebron who had 14 touchdowns last year for the Colts after never, you know, and we understand Detroit was not, it was a much better fit to be in that offense in Indianapolis than anything that happened in Detroit, but he never had more than five. And there's other factors happening. There are, and you can take it as what you want for mini camp reports that Mo Alley Cox is st- turning into a major factor for them. That's what part one. Also, Jack Doyle, who played just six games last year, is back as well. And so the position is more crowded. And I think that Eric Ebron, nice season. Um, solid player. But are we going to get anything like that again? And will he even be used or leaned on quite as much?
3: I would say no. We are almost on... This could alternate or also be accepted as a Mark Sessler fantasy corner segment. For those of you who saw what uh, Ebron did last year and everyone's... You know, high on the Colts, and the idea, oh, he'll do it again. Well, maybe not.
1: Well, still high in the Colts. I think they just have more people to give it to, spread it around to, too. And
2: in terms of the touchdowns, I mean, 13 touchdowns for Eric Ebron, one five, one four in his previous seasons with Detroit, and it just jumps off the page at you to have that kind of success because touchdowns are hard to predict, Right. Uh, especially a tight end uh, in terms, of, in, unless it's Gronk or, or Travis Kelsey. Uh, and even those guys aren't, aren't. Well,
4: it's a great pick because it's like he day. wasn't even playing that much last year. He was he was very often playing thirty snaps a game. He was just kind of like a lo- you know a loaded up uh, fantasy guy, but he he wasn't playing that much more than the other tight ends on their roster. Uh, let's go one one more time around the horn. Maybe a little bit of a come down speed round.
3: Rolls off the tongue nicely. I like it. Um, This one, it doesn't bring me any joy to say a Hall of Fame player is about to play his last season, but that's what's going to happen with Adrian Peterson, uh, who uh, despite a 1,000-yard season last year, he's the all-time comeback player of the year for what he did in 2012, coming off the shredded knee and running for 2,000 yards the way he did, and he's going to Canton. Uh, But his 1,000 yards with Washington may be a little bit, I don't know, uh, looks better on paper than it was in reality. If you looked at what he did on a game-to-game basis, I believe there was a 95-yard touchdown run that helped Juice's yards per attempt average. And with Darius guys coming back from injury, there's some more options in the backfield. This is a team in transition on offense, the Redskins. And despite the fact that Peterson is saying to the media this week that he's still is setting his goal at 2000 yards. And I don't think he should be mocked for that because he's an all time great athlete. And that's just the way his mindset is. I think it's more likely uh, that he does not get the workload uh, he maybe expects. I-, I hope it doesn't end poorly with him uh, requesting a release or getting cut. Uh, but I just don't imagine him having a big part of this Redskins offense. And beyond that, Maybe he. I don't want him to turn into the way Jamal Charles's career ended, where he's bouncing around and being on a team for three or four weeks that has injury issues. Uh, but I would not be shocked if that's how Peterson's career wraps up. He's due for a come down.
4: Hmm. Never,
3: Sobering guys.
4: Never doubt Adrian Peterson. <laughs> He'll just come and get you.
3: I, I think if it
2: if it does end, and however it ends, it, he's going to finish things up in Washington. I, I just. It, oh, yeah. it would see. It feels like this is the
4: last. Him getting, yeah, him getting that season last year actually felt like it was a nice, kind of bow. You know, a nice bow on the, on his career after what had been a couple pretty ugly years. That he got one more year where everyone remembered. Oh yeah, Adrian Peterson's probably the most exciting running back we've seen. Uh, what about you, Greg? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna sneak two in just because they're on the same team. <laughs> and uh, cheater. Cheat. Uh, I'm going to go with Dante Fowler and Jared Goff of the, the Rams coming coming back to... Earth.
1: Ouch, not a great segment for
4: Rams fans. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like Fowler, Fowler's a guy who we've seen kind of what he can do throughout his career, and he had a great five-week run. Uh, that that, so he's just going to come down from those five weeks. In the playoffs. Well, he got paid got yeah. paid quite a bit. Uh, and, and Goff, I, I don't know, like I think... I think he's a absolutely solid NFL starting quarterback, and I, I've I've wondered throughout, like, is he a difference maker or is he closer to the Dalton scale? And we'll see. Last year, for much of the year, he did feel like a difference Big maker. Big year for him. Absolutely. Claybon.
3: Uh, I'll step
2: outside of the player realm and take mm. a flyer on the premise and go with Matt <laughs> Nagy. Um, I like that. I, I just – you know, Trayvon Hester tipped a kick. Uh, this was a team ha- that had an opportunity uh, to go to the Super Bowl. And there's just been a lot of turnover and a lot of change. Mm. Uh, Fangio is in Denver now. Ah, sure. Fangio. I-, I just um, I don't see the success. I don't see the success this year. I
4: like that because I think it's hard for coaches to matter that as much as Nagy helped them a year ago. I think it's just hard for coaches to matter that much year after year. I just don't think they do or generally do. Like, he was giving them huge schematic advantages. It's like, how many coaches can do that year after year? It's almost impossible. We are on the
1: same page because you had Aaron Donald, Patrick, and that was topping my list. And my second was... I was going to go with Mo's. Well, my second was Chicago's... Turnovers on defense. Kyle Fuller had seven picks, which was not number one in the NFL. Eddie Jackson was second with six, and he also had two forced fumbles and two touchdowns. And they leaned on that defense in the turnover so hard. Chuck Pagano has never, in his scheme, never had a player in the, with the Colts have more than five picks. In most seasons, it was one, two, or three. It was just a lot less of that. And a lot of magic happened with Chicago.
3: So there's more pressure on Nagy to Make the You're putting go. them in the category of the 2018 Jaguars who had the massive season with the big turnovers and huge plays in 2017. 2018, all that got cut in half. And when the quarterback couldn't step up, I think one of the most predictable
1: statistics for teams going back to the mean is when someone, and Cleveland did this last year too, they jump out with a huge turnover plus margin scenario. You just don't expect, you can't really predict that to happen year after year. It's going to come back to the the center. It shows how
2: slim the margins are because it was kind of that turnover that that did them in. Eddie Jackson picked off Aaron Rodgers and was trying to score a touchdown, a meaningless touchdown because he likes to get in the end zone, hurts himself. Mm. And it really had an impact on the remainder of their season. It just, like, it, the margins aren't that big uh, no. between a lot of these t- contenders.
1: What about one little Evan Silva-esque bonus? Mm. He has been tweeting about this. He's been hot on this trail. The and big it's, fish. It's based on Patriots-centric information. Where Sony Michelle Evan tweeted this yesterday, has not really been seen much at Patriots OTAs. They don't really know what's going on with them. And Damian Harris is someone that they feel certain people close to the team could be slotted in for a bigger role, chewing away at Sonny Michelle's role. Sonny Michelle's already on the it, outs? Well, I'm not saying that, but, they're, but they have a history of, of juking left when people think they're going to go right at running back. And maybe they are going to continue to, uh, maybe his carries come down a little bit.
3: Mm.
4: How will you recover
3: from that, Greg?
4: I mean, I think that's fine. They, that would mean they just have other options. Yeah. They've got, like, four running backs. Keep Sonny Michel nice and fresh. So if you need him to carry the ball, you know, 80 times in the playoffs like he did a year ago, he'll be ready to That's go. That's right. Why do these other teams need to get rid of their second choice at running back
1: when the Patriots consistently house four or five and use them all on the field at the same time? There won't be any
3: games to play in January this year, Greg. You just got the 16.
4: If that happens, I'm fine living in the past. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing.
3: Um, Claybon, you came here. You said it all, and you've done it again.
2: Just uh just glad to get on the roster,
3: you know. Uh your war for this episode was three point four. There we go.
4: I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means either.
2: <laughs> like for a season for 162 games? I'm pretty yeah, yeah, sure three point
3: five?
4: Uh, yeah, it's just 3. for 3.
3: this one game. I don't know what's a good war number? I, I don't know. Well, I hope it's Whatever's close good... to
1: 3.4. Otherwise, you've insulted our guest. But... <laughs> Whatever a good number is. Well,
2: I mean, if, if, if this is football, then that's huge.
3: Those are quarterback numbers. It's right? football. We're talking about football. Yeah. <laughs> Dominant spark score for you. I'm Brian Hoyer, baby. Uh, all right. We'll be back Friday with our third and final show of the week. So make sure you come back for that. Um, uh, you know, how about on Friday? Let's check in on some iTunes reviews. So this is your chance Get on there. Um, well, iTunes is dead now, isn't it? They just killed iTunes, the the actual um, the program,
4: right? But you can still make comments on podcasts through <laughs> your app, Apple
3: Podcasts. <laughs> go, uh, give us five stars and leave a comment, and um, and we really appreciate that. That helps the show, and then we'll read some uh, on Friday show. And uh, also, we got the subreddit, which I believe is about eleven thousand strong now. So go to the around the NFL on Reddit and subscribe and be part of that community. And um and, and root for the Shield, who tonight faced Dollar Taco. Play ball in a key well, if you don't beat those guys, matchup. what are we doing here? Two five and two teams going after it with huge playoff ramifications. Huge. You ball, Claybon.
2: Whenever you guys need me, man.
3: Stan Hands is signing off for a Quiet Storm. Claybon, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Friday.